0: Welcome to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. This is Jack Walker. With me, as always, is Paul Ajamis, Director of Technical Service. Paul, it's uh, Friday, and uh, yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, this was a big week. A lot going on. What's a lot of distractions. It's been a week. My, yeah.
0: I know that I say a lot of things on this thing, but I, I do have to send a... a a loving shout out to my wife. She's been out of town all week, and I will say I'm just a stupid man. And this this thing doesn't work without her home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and any She'll woman appreciate hearing that. Yeah, any woman who's listening to the show is laughing.
1: Any mother is laughing at me about what a big yeah. If you can't tell. Jack has had to take care of his tod- toddler 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 son very, by himself this week.
0: Very strong-willed toddler son by myself, mm-hmm. and uh, it makes me appreciate my wife so much more. Him and I are both a little stubborn and both strong-willed, so
1: I told I told my wife when when the kids were young and she would have to travel occasionally that I am not a very good single parent, and I'm glad I only have to do it in short bursts.
0: Right. We like to joke that he has leadership potential. (laughs) Right now it's just a cliff, though? (laughs) Yeah. So she gets home tonight, so when this thing actually airs or gets released, it will have been her first morning back on morning duty, and I will have been the happiest man on the face (laughs) of the planet, probably. That aside,
1: if they want to mock me and tell me what a horrible father I am, Paul, how would they do that? Yeah, they can get you... Jack's on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP. You can email us at technicalservice@carboline.com, at or you can tell me how great of a father I am. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. But they don't know anything <laughs> about your fathering skills. It's okay. My kids are older. I say they don't know the
0: story about the, the park and the pulling
1: in and the driving <laughs> away. I just follow through with my threats. That's true. <laughs> no matter how ludicrous they are. <laughs> Yes, I am the guy who had to empty a child's bedroom (laughs) while they were at school because I told them I will take away everything out of your room if it's not clean, and my wife made me do it because I made the threat.
0: We did it to one of my fraternity brothers in college. Um, (laughs) our, Our our fraternity didn't have a house; we had like a wing of a dorm, and there was like one room that was the hangout room, and he lived in it. And he would always leave it unlocked so the rest of us could go hang out in it. But that made. His roommate really angry. Oh I bet. So one time we just we just took we didn't take the like we just took all of his stuff. Somebody came in and stole I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> just his stuff, not his roommate's stuff. And like we just grabbed the whole dresser and moved it into another room. He almost called the police on us that night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so anyway, enough about me. So Jack, I know. <laughs> I know we, we were struggling as we were trying to come up with this week's topic. Sure. And I think really the real reason we were struggling was it it involves paint, it involves coatings, it's in our industry, but it's not something that we personally have to deal with a lot, primarily because there's there's specs around it and it, it doesn't involve products that Carbon Line uses. No, but there's kind of a
0: neat little side effect that we felt like we should talk about just kind of... One of those things that you could put in your uh, knowledge bag of tricks, just kind of bury it away, put it in your back pocket so that one day you can go, no, you can't do that. And and, and honestly, that's kind of what happened for me. I had a, a sales rep call in and we were working on a, a problem and I was working on finding him a solution. And it was one of those things where I was like, no, no, you can't do this. It's bad. I know it's bad. I don't know why it's bad. It's like crossing the streams bad. But Right. Because he, he was like, why can't you do it? And I just said. It would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so then I looked it up, and as we were talking about it, he goes, you know, this would be a pretty good one for the podcast. So we agree. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about it. And, and what we want to talk about is the coating of steel with zinc that you know is going to be embedded
1: into concrete and why you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So really, the Jack's question came about, partly they were talking about, about rebar. Yep. And it was somebody who wanted to coat the rebar. And, and for anybody who's not in the construction business, rebar are those those steel poles, beams, they're little rods that they embed in the concrete to help strengthen the concrete. Before we, and they put it down, you'll see it, and then they pour over it.
0: Well, rebar is, is a shortening of reinforcing steel bar. Yep. So those have to be coated because we know that steel corrodes when exposed to the atmosphere and moisture.
1: No. this is a recent... And, and I say recent, recent in terms of we've been building for you know thousands sure, of years. Sure. But the use of, or the a practice of coating the rebar is a fairly new trend in the industry. Because if you go back and look at bridges that were built, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago, when they first started using concrete, mm-hmm. they didn't always use coated uh, rebar.
0: Well, and I think you saw evidence of that in your trip
1: to Ohio this week. I sure week. did. I was I was driving down the highway and there was a... A large number of bridges that were having a tremendous amount of work done because of the spalling of the concrete that was coming off and exposing the rebar underneath it. And if anybody understands the the corrosion process of rust, or, you know, as steel rusts, it expands. That expansion puts excessive pressure on the concrete in the opposite direction of the way concrete is strong. It's pushing it mm-hmm. out rather than pushing it in.
0: So think about it. You got rebar, which is the steel steel members that are the reinforcing, make the concrete stronger. And when you pour in the concrete, it forms around these bars. So as as they start to corrode and they start to expand, it can create into the five digit levels of psi of pressure on that concrete.
1: And if you remember back from when we've had other discussions about concrete. You know, concrete has very high compressive strength, but it has very low adhesion or direct pull. Mm -hmm. So you can pull concrete apart at, you know, 500 PSI, it'll start pulling apart in a lot of cases. So when you look at these that have, you know, where the the corrosion rate when the rebar corrodes, it may double in size. Well, the space that was allotted for it was not twice the size. It was tight.
0: And that concrete is really rigid and it'll break. Yeah. Especially when you start talking about forces in the the ballpark of ten thousand psi
1: that's right so as it breaks it just kind of accelerates that process so you expose more rebar to the atmosphere to the salts that are used on the roads to the rain more of it corrodes more of it pops off and, and i gotta say there was honestly there were a couple of bridges that as i was pulling up driving down the highway looking at they had clearly been working on it because you could see the marks on it b1 b2 sure, b3 sure. I'm just looking at it saying, I don't know if I really even want to drive under this bridge for fear of, of rocks falling onto this car. All right, it's that time again. It's that time to remind you that
0: Carbline pays the bills and they're paying a bill for us. They're sending us out into the public, Paul. We are going
1: to get to go out and meet people in the wild. I can't believe it. If you don't know what we're talking about yet, you need to stop by at the SSPC Codings Plus Conference in Orlando, Florida. It's February 12th to the 14th. Carboline is going to have a booth, and guess what?
0: We're going to be doing the podcast live in the booth. That's booth number 601. You come by, stop by. I think we have a giveaway for you. Plus, you know, you get to hang out with me and Paul. What could be better than that? Yeah, we'll be doing some recordings live in front of the uh, studio right there. All right, that's again, that's uh, booth number 601 at SSPC Coatings Plus in Orlando, February 12th through the 14th. So when we started this episode, we talked about specifically why you wouldn't want to use zinc to coat, you know, uh, rebar or or any steel that'll be buried in concrete. Part of this is think about if you go back to episodes 15 and 16, where we talk about inorganic zinc, I got got that right without even looking. Yeah. You started saying it before you looked at the chart. So if you go back to that, remember that part of the function of the inorganic zinc corrosion protection is galvanic protection and the zinc itself starts to corrode and be sacrificial to the steel. Well, the same principle will apply if that zinc is surrounded by concrete. Yeah. So really
1: what we're looking at is zinc likes a neutral environment. It doesn't do very well at the low end of the pH range, and it doesn't do very well at the high end. When it gets into those ranges, you're going to see corrosion accelerate rapidly. It's just going to exponentially increase. And when you're working with concrete, you're talking about a pH of 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. during the phase that the concrete is wet. And its pH drops very quickly as during its cure, the first couple of weeks, it drops down. And when you end up after it's fully cured, you're probably in the neighborhood of seven or eight, you know, when it finally gets done. Someday, yeah, someday. Yeah. But during those first two, three, four weeks, your pH may be 12. So now you have accelerated corrosion
0: of the zinc coating that doesn't have room for this accelerated corrosion. One of the byproducts of the zinc reacting with the wet concrete is hydrogen gas. So yep. we know that you're creating pressures and gas.
1: And although, yes, we've always talked about concrete being a sponge, it is not that porous that it allows it out fast enough for it to not build up. But, hey, that rebar will last a real long time.
0: <laughs> so the long and the short of it is is the zinc is really too active of a coating to be surrounded by concrete. Even after the concrete cures, we remember if you looked at – we talked about concrete in episode – see, I'm not as good on this one. Episode 41, we talked about the surface prep of concrete. And in that, we talked a little bit about how concrete is a sponge. So it's very porous, right? So water can still pass through it. So as long as you are introducing moisture to that zinc coating, there will be – some kind of
1: chemical reaction going on. Yep. So the real specification that we like to look at when we're talking about rebar is they have, it's an ASTM and it's A775 is the overriding uh, specification for Mm -hmm. what to paint and how to paint rebar that's Mm -hmm. going to be in concrete. Sure. And what it does is it really encompasses a lot of testing. There's a lot of science behind it. Sure. You know, it goes through things like a salt spray test, you know, just a whole list of ASTMs that it goes through. B117 is a salt spray. Tabor abrasion, we've talked about Taber abrasion before on this show. Goes through cathodic disbondment, which is one that we keep frequently saying we need to do an episode on cathodic disbondment.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Yeah. Um, it does a falling weight test, you know, where, it's, where material is poured on it and you see how it does mm-hmm. and it's a kind of similar to the Taber abrasion, but a little different test that it's doing. And then you do immersion testing on it and see how its chemical resistance is. That immersion testing, the chemical resistance testing really is important for these because since it is a sponge, since it's on, we are talking about concrete primarily that's used on roads. Sure. Because that's where you see this kind of, of problem happening. It's because the moisture is going through the concrete. And especially when you're in the northern climates where you're using de-icing salts of, of different, different kinds. They are going to penetrate into the concrete as well. And when they hit that rebar, salts are going to accelerate the corrosion rate of, of steel. Significantly. So in the ASTM A775, that spec is for epoxy. Yep. It is you know primarily a fusion bonnet epoxy or a powder coated applied coating. And they have a tremendous amount of tests to ensure that it's put on at the right thickness and that it's holiday free. And do all the stuff, and when they have to cut it in the field, there's procedures for how to do touch-up on it so that you don't have any exposed ends. But it's a very in-depth process to be able to say, let's get a good coating on there that's going to be able to stand the high pH that the concrete's going to bring. And then, because they've tested it for salt spray testing and for chemical resistance, it will also be able to resist those salts when the moisture brings them in.
0: I also feel like there's one other clarification that we should make. We are talking about zinc rich coatings where you actually have a percentage of zinc in the dry film that is usually in the high you know above 80 or so what we are not talking about is a corrosion
1: inhibitor coating that has zinc phosphate in it that's different that's right and one of the one of the one of the main things in a zinc phosphate zinc is in there like a salt it's not in there like a metal. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're doing is you're prevent you're preventing the corrosion by a passivation process. And as long as we're talking about passivations, one of the things that they that they will do for zinc when it's gonna be in a high alkaline environment like concrete, they do use a passivation on it where they use a chromating process. And, you know, that chromate process can help prevent the zinc from going through that reaction with the high pH of the concrete over that short period of time and then you can manage to keep zinc in it. So I don't want anybody to think we're just totally against zinc being done because you can do it correctly. Sure. It the, just requires an extra step.
0: Correct. The the galvanizers figured out that if we put a little extra coating on our galvanized rebar to work, we actually, most of the research we did for this podcast was an article written by the International Galvanizers Association. So they're aware of the problem and they're aware of, you know, they've moved on and, and figured out how to move on from there. But we just wanted to, Kind of, it did come up this week, and we we like to think that this podcast is responsive to things that happen in the real world, and we just want you know to educate you as to why you would never put a zinc-rich coating like Carboline would provide in immersion in basically concrete, for lack of a better way to
1: put it. That's right, and this is one that we kind of went out outside of our normal comfort zones because Carboline doesn't deal with powder coatings. No, we don't do with galvanizing. We quite honestly don't do much more than touch up on rebar. Correct. You know, So those aren't realms that we really deal with. But we went outside of our comfort zone because it was a topic that has been brought up and that's been been talked about quite a bit lately. And then after my trip, when I was driving down that road and I kept looking at all those bridges, I said, yeah, you know what? That is a valid topic to talk about. So we hope you've enjoyed it and hope you have a little extra card for your mental Rolodex
0: there. And uh, we appreciate you listening to this thing, and uh, we'll see you next Monday.
1: You can fix it in post.